To another episode of Hobby Name Canada. I'm your host, Tom, and with me as always are. Yeah. We went simultaneously. It's okay. Going at the same time is like preferable. <laughs> yeah, some would say that's pretty ideal. <laughs> I love that it only took like not even getting past the intro to make my first sex joke. <laughs> I'm feeling really proud of myself. Uh, Barry was talking about this British podcast, uh, Two Drunk Flings, and said that they swear more than we do. And I take that almost like a personal fucking challenge. You know? I, I assume their episodes are just longer. <laughs> he didn't say more frequently. Oh, he said more. Nice loophole. There you go. I like it. Did you listen to them at all? Uh, yeah. And eh. no, it's a good podcast. Sorry, I don't. I don't want to come off like that. It was a fun I, podcast. I was reading the swearing. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's only two of them, so I feel like. Maybe each one of them swears more than any one of us does, but there's five of us, so... Mm-hmm. So to even out, then. Okay. So we're like the Voltron of vulgarity. Oh! Ooh, t-shirt, please. <laughs> <laughs> we could throw that on our Threadless store, along with all the other wonderful Hobby Night in Canada merch. The Voltron of vulgarity. I like it. <laughs> I don't like the fact that I have to now do design work, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, you got out of the design work for those... Uh, those silly buttons I ordered for lock and load because I just did some cheap thing on uh, uh, whatever app I found that was the first one that I came across. <laughs> whatever works. Buttonmaker.ca. Wasn't even that. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, so let's just go into this week in hobby. So, Dan, what have you been doing? I did full scale terrain. Ooh, yeah, that's true. Landscaping, yard work. It was one oh. month scale, right? Yeah, totally one-to-one, using very realistic methods. Like, I hear you actually used, like, real um, mulch and real tufts of grass to do the work that you did. Yep. Pretty much. Pretty much. It's about as exciting as it sounds. Is it as costly as uh, the smaller scale? Mm, Well, like, per pound or whatever, it's a lot better deal, but still pretty expensive. (laughs) You're also buying in kilos instead of grams. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Ward, I know you actually have an answer to this this time. Yeah, uh, I've been painting up some Blood Bowl right now, so I I signed up for the Pow Town event here uh, in the next upcoming week here, and uh, so I'm committed to trying to paint up my undead. So... Working pretty steady on those. and Committed to trying. Committed to trying. That's real commitment right there. Yeah, Yeah. so... Are you further ahead than my halflings are? Uh, I would say not, because you have more colors on them. But my models are also bigger, so again, scale... uh, Don't bring big models into this scenario here, because I did three tree men. Ah, well. And they're... They're larger than any of your models. <laughs> that they are. So, but uh, no, I would say that you're still ahead of me for for model uh, painting right now. So, but I'm I haven't even built like a roster yet. I'm just painting everything right now that's in the in the Grebo Games uh, collection there. So I'm just doing how many models is that? Oh, uh, I want to say maybe eighteen. Oh, dude, we gotta we gotta pare that down tonight. <laughs> so after this podcast, we'll play a game. We'll get you down to like 13 models at most. 
Gotcha. I figure all the mummies for sure, and then a bunch of skeletons is is my guess. So. Yeah, and we can probably talk to people that actually know what they're talking about when it comes to playing Blood Bowl mm-hmm. and Absolutely. figure out a list. So I don't expect to do very well, so I'm just going to paint whatever I got and go from there. Okay, fair enough. Sounds uh, good. I'm looking forward to comparing your bone to Tom's wood. Mm, yes. Ooh, love it. Unfortunately, mine's a little bit on the stunty side. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, which segues okay. into what I've been doing, because I've been working on my halfling team, got the, the treatment done, finally. I think last podcast they were started, uh, but not finished. And then I got uh, more work done on the the halflings actually getting beyond base coating. So the blue is all done on all the halflings. My blue is all done. <gasps> nice. High five over the microphone. Blue. Um, blue. Blue. Yep. So now I'm on to orange. You're on to red. Correct. So we're moving into the warmer territory. Mm-hmm. Although, is yours a cool red or a warm red? Uh, it's going to be a warm red, actually. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Something to, to pop on the blue. So. Nice. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, other than that, uh, I'm going to jump right into the shut up and take my money portion of this episode, which for me was buttons. Um, because, like, why spend money on toys when I can buy 300 buttons? Um, but there's the hardcore cash group that uh, hang out at Lock and Load every year. And last year we had like little objective markers. And this year we're taking down uh, buttons that say, I won the Iron Arena. And obviously winning games has zero impact on the Iron Arena. So it's just if you're there having fun, having a good time, you get a button. Nice. So It's all right. That checks out. So Ooh. if you're listening to this and you're going to Lock and Load, come find the guy covered in buttons and you can probably get one. The button man. Yes. Everybody needs a thing. Oh, man. Am I going to be the button man? <laughs> Fuck. I didn't even think of that. You've got time to come up with a better name. You can yeah. do some strategic branding sessions and stuff, you know? I think you should wear, like, a midriff shirt and be the belly button man. <gasps> Ooh, I do have a belly. Mm, or, like, just wear the, the denim vest. Oh, you can do that. Uh, no, <laughs> pants? Well, they well no, 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 no. <laughs> pants. Pants. Or shorts. Yeah. But no shirt I, under the denim vest. I, I could see shorts, denim jacket, and okay. What you shoes. should do is you <laughs> should get sort. you should get some shorts and then like literally cover every square inch of them in buttons, so it looks like you're wearing buttons rather than shorts. Hmm. Or just get like. Uh, <laughs> And pe- <laughs> flesh tone tights and cover them with buttons. And people have to take their own buttons, so the first first people are okay. But then as it gets a little later in the game, yeah. it gets dicey. Yeah, especially if it's like a like a flesh tone speedo or something. Oh god. Except then I'm sitting on buttons near my genitals, and that just sounds like a recipe for really, really, really bad poking. That does sound like a bad time. Oh. Doesn't the, the the idea doesn't bother me much, but that's because I'm not the one I'm, wearing those shorts. Yes, no, either am I. So I I am all for this idea now. <laughs> yeah, fully supported. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't imagine this would be very supportive for what I needed it to be. So, Vito, no, no. <laughs> uh, what about you guys? Any uh, anything on your radar right now? Um, trying to think. There hasn't been a heck of a lot of hobby stuff going on uh, for myself. Although, I got to admit, the giant 40k night harpoon. And flamethrower type shenanigans. Uh, the, those, the Decimus? The thing sounds really freaking cool. I don't know if I need one, but I, I kind of need one at the same time. You know what? Harpoons! Oh my god. It kind of reminds me of like a 40k version of the Galleon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
That's right. So. Yeah, very much so, I'd say. But yeah, strengths, what is it, strength 16 with 10 wounds and D3 extra mortal wounds if you wound but do not kill something? That just sounds fun. How do you not kill something with that? Like, more obviously, more than 10 wounds. You shoot another Titan. Or another yeah, knight. or vehicles or whatever, but like still, Jesus. Yeah, just flat, flat ten wounds. Whereas the, like some like the volcano gun and the other stuff on the other variant, it obviously has potential for a lot more range and a lot more total wounds. Like if you roll the, what is it like D six shots that do three D three damage each at like strength fourteen. Mm-hmm. So I mean the potential for that is freaking absurd, but I mean there's also something to be said for giant like gigantic harpoons. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait on that one because I still have to buy a regular knight and put my Egyptian stuff that I got at LVO this year on one of those. So I'm going to restrain myself and not pick up that, that guy. Yeah, right it's, away. it's not a realistic threat for me to buy one at the moment, but <laughs> it looks pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. There is a legitimate chance that at some point in the next couple of years, I will, I will be doing, um, what was the Iron Warriors? Um, the legion that often works with the Iron Warriors, like Legio Mortis, or I think Legio Mortis was just the Chaos go to. I don't think. Okay, but I'm, I'm not sure. They they might have had a specific one. I'm not. But there's a good chance, even though I doubt Legio Mortis would have ever had knights or any of that kind of shit. But I'll still do like a Legio Mortis, um, Chaos Renegades knight. Nice chapter. Yeah, at some well, point. Technically, the Titan Legions and the Knightly Houses were separate, but yeah. and that's what I mean, right? Like I don't. But you could do one in the color scheme, and most people wouldn't bat an eyelash at it. Yeah. And it would actually be really fucking cool to have Iron Warriors and then have, like, a bunch of knights and the massive knight and then a couple armagers or whatever. Or failing that, just get it for Adeptus Titanicus. And it'll be oh, no, that is legit happening. Much, That's much not cheaper. a maybe. Ooh, yes. That is legit happening. 100%. I just, I just need a release date, and then it's going to be my shut up and take my money. So that's For, like, it. every week leading up to it. Yeah, just like, well, y'all know what to expect. Saving up some more money for... Mechanicus or Titanicus, so. It's like I put another uh, $80 away this week. <laughs> Just because you know, it's not going to be cheap. If the the largest knight looks to be the same size, or the largest titan is the same size as a knight, it's not going to be cheap. I feel that the starter set will be like close to 200 bucks for sure. Yeah. Probably just over 200 bucks. Yeah, if not more. It's, it looks expensive, but so. it also looks cool as hell. Very true. And mm-hmm. all right, so. And then for myself, uh, well, I just spent a bunch of money last night, but none of it on hobby. So I officially booked my Peru Manchu Picchu tour. Ooh! So I have the dates that I'm going to be doing the hike mm-hmm. for uh, Manchu Picchu, and uh, so you're going to start training now. Well, that's what Kyra said, but <laughs> I walk way more than she does, so I feel that I'd be okay, but not up things necessarily. So we'll have to see, but. Just go to the River Valley once or twice a week. Uh, Seriously, it's a lot of really good vertical shit there. So, But, uh, yeah, we're going to be going a few days before that, so that way we can kind of acclimatize a little bit before we start the hike, and then we'll be staying for probably about a week, maybe even two weeks after. Oh, wow. That sounds cool. Should be pretty good, so that's, that's what a chunk of my money went to last night, so... Not bad. We'll have to go from there. Pretty much I'm leaving right after Onslaught is what it comes down to. Okay, so. fair enough. <laughs> oh, did I go? I can't remember. Well, I bought mask, Liquid Mask from Vallejo. Oh, Yay! that's a big jar of it. Yeah, they had the little one and then the one that was much bigger for not much more money. So I decided that was probably a good idea. Okay, because, yeah, I got the little dropper bottle version. So, But this is, like, quite, quite uh, the upgrade of it for sure. And it's much more girthy. 
mm-hmm. much more mm-hmm. expensive. Yeah, it's a 2.87 ounce bottle for eight bucks. Really? Like, yeah. Wow. Yep. That does also remind me, I finally found exhaust manifold. It took going to Calgary to find it, <laughs> but I did finally grab a bottle. Yeah, that's, of all, some of the places I know that carry the Vallejo metal color, that is the one that is always sold out. So it's not just me that thinks that's the best color. Yeah. Gotcha. But it is. The 17 did, other ones are cool. Did you pick that up on the way out of town? Yeah. Okay. But exhaust manifold. Along with a dark brown panel liner. Ooh. Yeah, I'm excited to work with that. <laughs> yeah, whereas the black slash gray one that they have is also the only one that sells out generally. Mm-hmm. So A lot of places I've gone, I haven't even seen a spot in the rack for dark brown. Yeah. That, I, well, Baleo every now and then does these like little stealth updates to their... Well, is Tamiya. that Tamiya? Oh, yeah. Okay, that's probably why I have zero knowledge of it. But I was going to say, if it was a Vallejo product, then <clears> a lot of the Vallejo products, they occasionally expand their ranges without a lot of fanfare. Yeah, like the Vallejo model wash range uh, that I have come around to quite liking. I think it was twelve paints, and then at some point there was eighteen, and I don't know when that happened. Yeah, but now there's more. I think it's because they're just releasing. Well, because they're a paint company, they don't have a lot of other products, so they're releasing stuff probably three or four times a year without us really knowing anything about it. Yeah, unless they make like a really big stink about something like the uh, Mecca paints or whatever yeah. range. Yeah, um, that one they did a lot of promotional work for. But if they're just adding another 20 colors to the model air range you don't necessarily hear about it but every now and then when i go to the site and check the pdf for like color swatches i'm just like oh there's more than there used to be yep yeah i think if they're working with like an artist on a new line you'll hear a lot more about it than just like you said the extra handful of colors here and there that they might introduce or what have you yeah absolutely um so we're already talking about paint stuff uh ward and i went to a uh, a painting class this weekend, which I believe we've talked about a lot on the podcast. But before we get into kind of how that was, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about how to get the most out of your painting lessons or painting classes and kind of like what your expectations would be um, and and really um, what your general mindset should be going into a painting class, uh, either one day, weekend, whatever that you're taking, either at a convention, because, you know, they have a lot at the LVO or Adepticon uh, presumably Gen Con as well. Uh, and then it's fairly common, especially in Europe, for a lot of really high-end painters to be having classes and seminars fairly regularly. Uh, we're lucky enough that through AMSA, thankfully Dallas has brought in several great painters to have classes here in, in Alberta. Uh, and, you know, Canada benefits from that as well because, like, Sergio hit up um, he, uh... Quebec... Toronto, Winnipeg, us, and uh, Vancouver. I think I think it was just uh, Toronto. I think Quebec was out this year. I no, think it, it was it was Quebec, not Montreal. Oh. Like it was actually Quebec City. Okay, gotcha. So, anyways, um, so Ward or Dan, what do you what do you guys try this off? What is how do you, how would you guys approach going into a situation where you're going to be learning to paint? Um, well, for me, I think I would probably, because I do have the, the seasons of activity versus inactivity for painting. So I think for anything, you would kind of want to do like a bit of warm-up stuff in advance. So whether, um, whether or not you're doing something that's very specifically tailored to the topic of the class, I think it wouldn't be a, a bad idea to just do a lot of general painting to get yourself a little bit more um, back in the groove of things. Because when you're, when you're rusty, you paint slow. And you're going to be fighting just that little bit of um, rust in your skills in addition to trying to learn new things. So I think that bit of a warm-up would probably be 
a good thing. So just probably doing a little bit of, you know, random painting. Again, not necessarily even the same things that we'd be learning, but um, just painting something to get back in the groove of things so that when we're sort of on the clock during the lesson, it's a little bit easier to keep up. That's probably where I would start. And for myself, I'm bad. Like, I tend to shut down prior to a painting class because I'm just like, well, I'm going to learn a whole lot of shit, so I better stop whatever I'm doing right now so that way I can tune into this style and, t and take away from that. And then that way my painting's going to be so much better when I return to it. <laughs> Which isn't the best idea or theory. I think rested XP uh, is in MMOs only, not real life. It's it's not the greatest idea for sure, but it's, I don't know, it's just something in my mindset where I'm just like, you know what, like, what if I'm doing something next week that these guys that I'm painting right now can benefit from? I feel that I'd rather wait and take the class and do that. So That's I call bullshit. Well, I'm just a slow painter in general, but... Yeah, I was going to say, like, you just never <laughs> paint anyways, so it's like, you could say, like, oh, yeah, right before a class, and then as long as you go to a class every six months, you kind of have this great excuse to not be fits. painting. Then the excuse fits, right? So, uh, no, I mean, for prior to the Sergio class, I was painting because I did uh, put myself into the Powtown event, um, so that was an obligation, and I wasn't going to wait until Sergio's class to get the start on on those guys necessarily but uh it's it's tough because like i always feel like is there like a new little trick that i can like learn and what have you so as long as i know what the class is somewhat about i can attack other things on my on my models prior to that so if i know that i'm going to an airbrushing clinic or whatever i can do everything prior to the airbrushing and then hopefully we'll be able to pick up some skills on the airbrushing. So. That's fair. Whereas I like to have, um, well, it's not like I do this on purpose, but it comes in handy to have a project like my Raven Guard, where I've been painting them off and on in a slightly evolved paint scheme for like 15 years, as a lot of you guys will know. But um, no, it's, they were oh, 2003. No. Oh, you started them that year? Okay. Yeah, so they were 15 years old exactly. Wow. But, um, I thought it was more. But yeah, because the basics of that color scheme haven't really changed it's just a few little things. So if I learn something new, because I need the army to match the existing models, like it's not really going to affect that as much. It might affect yep. some, you know, if I was to take a course on uh, like the Infinity style painting or whatever, that might affect, oh, if I was going to paint some like Van Sars or some random other models, I would probably hold off on those because I haven't started yet. Mm -hmm. But you've also got your fall. You've always got your fallback project, is what you're saying. I've always got probably several hundred Raven Guard models to paint. So there will always be the Raven Guard. Always, <laughs> there's always a fucking pile of Space Marines somewhere with my name on it. <laughs> yeah, and I honestly fall pretty similar to you, Dan. Although I guess to be fair, um, I I don't go through the same uh, periods of inactivity as you guys. Like if I'm in active painting, it's maybe for a few weeks um, at a time, not necessarily months. Or years? <laughs> <laughs> it's early years, plural. <laughs> um, even singular. Uh, but yeah, so it. Uh, I am often painting. Um, and I try not to, going into like what I'm working on before the painting class, I actually just try not to overthink it. Just keep working on what I'm doing, doing what I'm doing, because uh, what we'll get to later is like how you end up applying the stuff you learn. Um, and how that'll impact things going forward. Uh, what about stuff that you would take to a painting class? 
for the class itself, I mean, it. I've been fortunate that I've been able to go to a whole week in classes with uh, with AMSA, and then I've also taken a couple like two hour classes here and there at like LVO and other conferences and that sort of thing. And the takeaway I feel is more over the weekend classes for sure. You're spending more time with the artist. Uh, you're learning ideally more techniques. You've got more. Uh, no, what would you take too? I know. Um, so with that, I usually he's just take, ignoring the question and talking about other things. I usually take more to those classes. Uh, I feel that those ones are spelt out a little bit more. What you're going to specifically learn, where a two-hour class kind of just gives you like a little like sentence or two of what the class is actually about and I will try to bring a handful of stuff uh, if I'm going to take multiple classes over the weekend. Okay, so I'm going to take what paints. Getting at is I'm going to take a lamp. <laughs> I'm going to take some brushes. A palette. Uh, uh, a palette. A lot of the <laughs> classes you go to, the teachers actually use wet palettes, so having some either a wet palette already or some means of making one, whether it's like a foil tray with some uh, parchment paper and paper towel is mm-hmm. really handy. Um, I actually have a light just for painting, not at my own home, which were those Costco lights that you grab board. Um, and honestly, if you can take as much stuff as possible in like as condensed a space as possible, it's really useful because you don't ha- often have a ton of spaces at these painting events. Yeah, there's might be 20 or 30 people or more depending on the course itself. Yeah, I, I picked up a, a pack 352 from uh, Battle Foam, and I can carry about 45 paints comfortably. I can jam in a few more for sure uh some models as well for for that uh i'll bring brushes i'll bring uh a wet palette i'll bring uh paints i usually don't bring a lamp unless it's somewhere that i can drive uh transporting a lamp on a plane is not necessarily the easiest per se so hopefully the classes have been thought out and it's relatively well lit yeah i guess there's the Driving to versus convention yes. uh, classes. Uh, convention classes are typically going to have more supplies there for you because uh-huh. the expectation is that you're not carting around all of your stuff to Vegas. Yes. Whereas when you're going to a painting class within province or state if you're an American, um, you're probably expected to bring more. Yeah. And uh, this LVO was, was nice last. Uh, I basically just brought brushes. Um, the models were supplied. Uh, everything... Uh, paints were supplied uh, airbrushes were actually also supplied for the classes hmm. so everything there was really good basically I just took um, a handful of brushes in like a little case um, and then this last weekend I took a lot more so I brought down a bunch of paints I brought down again the wet palette and all that stuff too so yeah it just depends on driving versus flying for sure and it's definitely not a bad idea to connect with the organizer and make sure if there's something very specifically you need to bring to function make sure you bring it like for the sergio class an airbrush um, was really important to have um, or for the alfonso class that we took a couple of years ago having a notebook a notebook oh <laughs> although they didn't mention that but having artist paints and primary colors was really important for that class because it was a lot more mixing paint. Whereas so like the, the tube acrylics rather than... Yeah. yeah. Okay. So like that was really uh, important for that class, whereas this class was more like whatever regular paints you normally paint with. But I think that they could have... Uh, uh, when we talk about the class specifically, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that. But yeah, talking to the organizer and knowing so that way you don't end up bringing stuff that you don't need, like carting it around would be just useless, right? So Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so we've kind of talked about uh, what to do beforehand, kind of what to bring, 
Um, how well, do you how do you choose the courses that you want to go to, Tom? Um, I guess for me, I kind of start with stuff that I that I want to learn. If I if I know any classes for that are around, um, if there's certain things that I'm less comfortable with that I know I can maybe use some tips here or there. Um, the other one is uh, honestly, if there's like really fucking good painters. Regardless of necessarily what they're teaching, it's re- I really like going to those classes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like Sergio, dude's got more crystal bu- crystal brush placements than all of Canada combined. <laughs> like, I'm gonna go learn from this guy because he probably knows what the fuck he's talking about. That's a big thing for me too. Just just knowing the artist and like seeing what he produces is that something that I want to learn? Uh, just looking at his models. Uh, do I feel that I would get something out of going to that class or learning a specific skill set that the class provides, right? So there's been classes that are doing like Nurgle effects and I usually don't paint dirty, so that might not be a class that I'd be interested in attending, whereas something non-metallic metal, I might gravitate a little bit more towards that. Again, artist-dependent too. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, The other thing, and this is probably for me the most important thing, that I wanted to talk about in terms of painting classes, and it's kind of um, your your mentality of what you're doing while you're there. And I'm going a little bit of a rant here right now because I've, I've been to several, and I, I always see kind of two different kinds of people at painting classes. There's those who are just there like to listen and learn and that do exactly what the instructor is telling them, and then there's people who kind of fight the instructor the whole weekend. Um, I, and I think, and Ward, I'm going to abuse you a little bit I, here. I was these two different people. Yes. We've been to two classes together, and you've been both. When we went to the Alfonso <laughs> class, um, it was definitely about, like, sketching stuff out quick, trying to get color variation, um, playing with mixing different colors, and, and really, like, how smooth it was on the model wasn't that big of a factor. We only had, like, an hour or two of real painting in that class, which was a lot of people's beef with it. But you spend a lot of time, like, trying to get these, like, nice, smooth blends and coverage. And, like, at the end of the day, uh, like, the models still look good. Like, and honestly, better than the one that I did. Because mine was, I was just slapping shit around, trying to play with all the new stuff and get outside my comfort zone. Um, but it wasn't really, like, you were I, fighting the intention of the class the I, whole time. Yeah, I didn't embrace the class instruction itself. I was I was gravitating towards, like, my my older styles and what I thought looked better personally. Yeah. Um, whereas the, uh, the Sergio class, um, he was aggressively stopping us. Like there was, um, there was no blending with a brush period. And so we're all sitting there like, and you're taking the paint like directly out of the pot onto a wet palette, no water mixed in, like putting it on a model. And you're like, this looks like dick. And there was so many times where, like, all 18 of us, that were ta- or 19, that were taking this fucking class were just like, what the fuck is going on? Because at the end of day one, you're just like, what the fuck is this? This and, looks worse than what I knew how to do last week. Yeah, um, but I thought that you really embraced that uh, a lot, of just, like, getting outside of your comfort zone and, and just, like... And trusting it's going to go somewhere. Yeah. F- yeah, finger, fingers are crossed about that, right? Well, we'll see how it works on day two was, was kind of the, go, <laughs> the go-to saying for that day. But I also found that the two classes, I think it was, like, a time thing, right, where 
the uh, Banshee class was, like you said, very limited on the amount of time painting, so I wanted to produce something good in that small amount of time, at least in my in my head. And then the Sergio class, we had a lot more time that I could make mistakes and corrections and everything like that. Yeah. So I think that's what it was. But going forward to classes, what I would advise anybody is to go learn that specific artist style. Whether it's something totally different from what you do, just paint the way that they want you to paint that weekend, that two-hour class, whatever it may be. And then after that class is done, you can take what you want from it. You don't have to use their complete style. You might not like their style. You might have issues with a lot of factors of it. But there's got to be something from that class that you Like, I'm going to pander to Aaron, who's sitting in the room but not partaking in the podcast. It's like in 7th C, you have to master both sword schools before you can grandmaster them and mix them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, And I think, Ward, you hit the nail on the head for another thing that I was wanting to talk about is the idea that when you're going to a painting class, do not expect at the end of the class it's going to be some amazing amazing completed project that you're going to be having. It's, it is a tool to learn the technique for the, the instructor. Yep. So very rarely are you finishing a model, you know, even if it is like two days. And honestly, to be, to be fair, very rarely do I finish a model after. I, I kind of like want it all. Yeah, ever. (laughs) Ha ha. Uh, No, but like the the model that's used in the course, I hardly ever like finish that. I'll keep it um, at the state that I finished in the class, so that way I can use it as a learning tool. So I won't complete everything on it. This this last one though with Sergio was the one that I completed the most of. Yeah, and I think I'm a huge fan of that. Like it is, it is an example of their work. So I ordered another Conan okay, um, yeah. so that I can try doing the full model to completion. Nice. And I still have my old Barbarian that I want to use from Black Sun. Yeah, so would work. we've got the options to like try it on something new, but it really is like capturing a moment of, a moment of learning in time mm-hmm. um, so that you can actually <clears throat> really look back and see what you're doing and, and, and see what you've learned. And honestly, you're not going to get as much from a class um, if you don't embrace what the class is about, because you're going to spend more time fighting with the content. You're spending more time just doing your own thing anyways. And at the end of the day, all you're probably going to have in your head is that was fucking stupid and go back to doing exactly what you did before. Whereas for me, you know, after all the classes I've been to, I maybe don't now I paint exactly like Sergio or now I paint exactly like Banshee. Or now I paint exactly like Aaron Lovejoy or any of those people. It's like, no, now there's one or two little things that I might incorporate into the models that I'm working on. Yeah. And a lot of it's contextual. Like some of the stuff, you're probably not going to be able to put in your basic army troopers. Maybe you will. But expecting it to be this massive overhaul when you got to remember, these guys are showing you in anywhere from two to, what, 18 hours? Sure, comfortable. Or 16, let's say two eight-hour days, right? They're showing you in two hours or 16 hours what has taken them probably years, if not decades, to master. Because these guys are painting every single day. Yeah. A lot of them paint for six to eight hours a day, five to to six days a week. I do not. (laughs) You play Battletech for that much time. 
Well, yes, because <laughs> sleeping and eating are optional. They are very optional. Yeah. So. Uh, and yeah, like the the AMSA classes that I've attended, I've I've taken away something from from every class, which is I think the important thing. So you've been stealing this whole time. Every time, right? Those models, I didn't know that we could have. So I didn't know we had to pay for these classes. <laughs> I just showed up. It was like the people that just showed up. Um, also, if you see oh, a did pain, that actually happen? If you see a painting <laughs> class going on. Leave it be. You haven't paid there, paid to be there, so don't just start trying to glean knowledge if it's happening in a venue that you're nearby. <laughs> like, it's distracting to the people that are actually there. So, like, be respectful. Yeah, um, I was, I was sorry. I was saying like Matthew Fontaine. I've taken like uh, some some stuff from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I like his style completely? No, not at all. Um, Banshee, I really like the color theory. I got some good ideas from that. Am I going to use his entire technique? No, it doesn't work for me, right? So it's just picking those little things that you can fold into your own process that I think will help you develop as a painter. Yeah, that's, again, that makes perfect sense. Um, And then the other takeaway from these painting classes, and I honestly think why you should go, especially to the local ones, is the community that comes out of it. Because you look at AMSA, it started as kind of a an idea that Dallas had, you know, and we're spitballing like the idea of this Alberta Miniature Painter Society. And you get a Facebook page and people put posts up every once in a while, but that doesn't really create anything. What really creates something is having these these classes and these events happening more often, where AMPS has been an entity now for I believe about three years. And in that time, we've never really had like an AMPSA event. And after this last class, we've now uh, decided that we are going to be running an AMSA painting getaway where it's not going to cost as much as going to one of these painting classes. We're going to do it, you know, out of most of our hometown. We're going to go to Red Deer, get a boardroom and a hotel for the weekend. We'll have way more details to follow, but <clears throat> basically have a little mini joke painting competition, have an entire day of painting and sharing knowledge because, to be honest with you, I didn't know we had so many great painters in this province before I started going to more of these classes. There's some phenomenal painters in Alberta. Yeah, and and those guys are also wanting to, like, push themselves. So, like, I mean, it was a good mixture. Like, Edmonton had a pretty decent showing this time, right? I think that there was six of us total or seven of us that went down. Uh, well, there was um, Kevin, yeah. you, Barry, me, Taylor. Phil. Phil. I think there was one other. Keith. Keith, yeah. Yeah, so there was seven from Edmonton. There was um, Cameron came from Red Deer, and then quite a few Calgary, yep. Calgary folks rounded it out, right? So, and, and meeting some of the artists that you wouldn't normally meet, right? So, like, I would have never met Bob for, for painting at all, yeah. and he's one of the people that I most enjoy talking to and comparing uh, how we're doing and what what are his takeaways and what I'm getting out of it too. So because yeah, Bob's fucking great people, he's good. He's you know, good. Um, and so you can really develop that community. And when you look at historically, there's been pockets internationally of where really good painters are. Like I remember back in the day when every country had a uh, a games day and a golden demon. You'd be like, okay, so like obviously the American stuff's like who. Canada, depending on the year, was either like a little better or a little worse. 
Um, but thankfully, a lot of the Quebecois painters kept us up there a little bit. Um, and then you get into the UK, which was really good. But like France and Spain was like, what the fuck are they doing yeah, there? It's like, why would I ever go to France and Spain to compete? Like, like you, just, you wouldn't, because it was so fucking good. I'm gonna go to Games Day LA or Atlanta. <laughs> And Go to Atlanta sweep and sweep. Just literally bring anything to a Lord <laughs> of the Rings category of Atlanta, and you would get a trophy. Yeah. So. Yeah. But I three mean, color minimum. I, They've got to give his bronze to somebody. <laughs> I really appreciate uh, the fact that AMSA is getting all these like fantastic artists to come out and what have you. Like every year, he's got somebody else coming out. So we've had um, Matthew Fontaine from the East Coast. Uh, we've got two Spanish artists, so I'm excited to see what he's got up his sleeve for the next artist. So, yeah. and I will throw my deposit at him as soon as I hear about it. So, and it's really funny too. I was talking with a friend of mine um, who I met a lock and load um, the last couple of years. Um, his name's Eric. He actually won the Grandmaster last year, and we're shooting the shit earlier today. And he was talking about how hard it is for him to find people to paint with locally. Like no one, no one wants to hang out and paint. No one really comes to any of the classes that he runs or the hobby nights he's trying to have. Like the forty k players are completely disengaged from the painting, and it blows my mind. That's even a that's a thing, right? Um, and then I, I thought like holy shit, holy shit, Alberta is a surprisingly large area with very few people, but we have a weirdly tight knit painting community now, and it's only getting better. Uh-huh. Like we're we're I say about two or three years away from being legitimately spoiled. I I think that there's some like good pockets like still in Edmonton. I think there's still some separation between those pockets, uh, but there are like um, there's the Edmonton Miniature Painting Society. Um, I think they're based out of the Apt Game. Eric um, is a big part of that, and they're trying to get more people posting, and they're doing painting contests through that store, and so on and so forth. Uh, Dallas is trying to do like a bunch more. Like I said, the artists we're gonna get the hobby getaway weekend, yeah, uh, which is gonna be I think a fantastic uh, stepping stone as well for that. Yep. And I mean, if you can get a group of guys together and like have like painting nights, like I'm all for that. So I'm I'm super happy that Kevin has been uh, nice to us and he invites me out, even though I'm a slow painter and <laughs> and still uh, makes time right. So and. It's it's one of the things I look forward to every month is that little getaway for a few hours and, and slap some paint on some models. And I think a big part of that to like kind of break down the barriers between a lot of those different painting pockets or groups, whatever you want to call them, because um, a lot of those are kind of organized along the lines of what games are they playing. So you might have a group of mm-hmm. 40K players, a group of War Machine players, you know, that sort of a thing. But if you do just get more generalized, doesn't matter what you're painting, could be AOS, it could be... You could even be painting dystopian wars. You could be painting boats. <laughs> but, <laughs> but still, like, the, the, the main thing is just getting people out there and sharing techniques and, like, maybe you've never painted a 6 mil or 10 mil or some of these other scales before, and you can just share ideas, see what other people are doing, and get exposure to different people and different techniques and different game systems and just be connecting more as humans who paint rather than just people who are playing the same games together. And that can maybe help break down some of those barriers as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good point as well. So, yeah. So really the takeaway is, you know, they're only going to be running events as long as people are going. So if there's events happening locally for you, go to them, support them. Uh, Otherwise it's not going to happen that often. It was great that in Alberta we sold out and had a waiting list less than a day after it was announced and money was being accepted. 
So, so if you hear the post, if you're part of AMSA, like, get ready with your uh, deposit. Have have some money put aside as a deposit <laughs> at all times. And usually uh, there is discussion well in advance before the pre-order period goes up to. Oh, yeah. Normally you got a couple months lead time. So it's not going to necessarily catch you off guard. No. But don't freaking wait around. Yeah, so. And, and we're hoping for more and more interest to... Uh, I mean, the venue is a different place this time, and I think that was a fantastic bigger space that we utilize. So I'm looking forward to the next one. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to the hobby getaway because I think that's going to be a blast. <laughs> Sounds fun, and it's not a million dollars. So people like me who have a, a mortgage, that is a relatively new experience, and money's a little tighter than I'm used to. <laughs> <laughs> like the idea of like $100 or 150 bucks or whatever it ends up being rather than like three four hundred dollars which some of the more advanced two-day classes can take Mm because you're paying for somebody to fly halfway around the world and teach you how to paint Mm -hmm. those flights are not free and they're certainly not doing it uh, for charity but um yeah it's the the hobby getaway thing does sound pretty cool just because it is a more financially you know affordable thing to do so hopefully we can get even more people out and we'll be getting more details hopefully in the next few weeks to finalize everything you need to know about it and i can tell you right now it's going to be awesome so we've talked about kind of some fairly general things in terms of hobby classes but uh, i'd like to take some time to actually talk a little bit more about the sergio class now i do want to have a little bit of a preface here that um sergio does uh do this for a living he has he runs these classes he has a patreon so we're not actually going to be going through all of the specifics of what he taught us. And that is that if you want to know more about his style, you can either go to one of his classes that he offers, um, either touring or at a convention, or you could go to his Patreon page. Um, and I'll double check his full name in a second here. Well, I'm put rambling. it in the show notes. It'll be fine. No, show notes don't exist. i got to put it in the actual <laughs> podcast. It'll never happen. Yeah. It'll never happen. Sergio Calvo Rubio. This is his full name. You can find him on the internets. Support his Patreon. It, I actually thought it was really cool. So um, if you want to know more than what we're, we're vaguely going to be alluding to, uh, go check that out. Patreon's normally pretty cheap as well. Something like five or ten bucks a month. I, and think, you can, I think you can choose what level of, of you want to, to kick in. So and yeah, then, It depends on the artist, but there is often yeah. cheap subscription or pay a couple bucks per article depending on how they've structured it yeah yeah so it's not that much it is how he makes a living so i don't want to use this podcast to take away from that especially because we don't make any fucking money off this anyways <laughs> um so unless you went to the uh, hobby night uh threadless page to buy merch <laughs> no seriously we don't make any money off that <laughs> yeah we really don't it's we really don't um there's no money in podcasting um but one of the things that really struck me the most about this class was how it started. And a bit of backstory is this, the Alfonso class that Ward and I went to about 18 months ago was very much all about turning miniature painting into art. Um, and comparing a lot of it back to classical artists and, and paintings and how you can really trying to look at miniature painting through the lens in the same way that people look at fine art. And there's different there's different styles in classical art, and they all are good, and why can't that be applied to the miniature painting world? Yeah, so this is like the last Spaniard that I've seen talk about painting, and so I'm going into this kind of expecting something similar, and like, frankly, you look at Sergio's 
um, art, I'm going to fucking call it artwork. The models that he's painted <laughs> for various competitions, various companies are fucking gorgeous. Like, there's all kinds of wonderful colors. He's got a very strong style and aesthetic. So when he starts into, I'm not going to teach you anything about art this weekend. I'm going to teach you how to paint models. I'm, I'm a fucking miniature painter. Uh, yeah, I'm a fucking miniature painter. I'm not an artist. You're not going to brush lick in this class because it makes you look like a prostitute. Um, and <laughs> Or porn star. Sorry, it was porn star. Um, Just because you're licking the tip? Yeah, you're not going to paint on your thumb because that's what stupid artists do. Like, like he, he just jumps right into You're just going to paint fucking models. And instantly I'm like, yes. This is, this is a different class. <laughs> very different class. And it was very, very practical, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, and he made it, and he broke it, everything down step by step that we were doing all weekend. Of just like, we're going to do this layer. And then we'd all do that layer. And he'd walk around and look at everyone and be like, yeah, no. More often than not, he'd just yell at us for more contrast. Contrast was a big word. Yeah, he's just like, more contrast. More contrast. Um, and so he had a very um, very hands-on approach, which for some people, where they wanted to just blast through and have a model done at the end of the weekend, it was very frustrating. But honestly, for me, it was quite refreshing in that... I got feedback on every layer of paint I put down. I also think that those people that wanted to blast through and get it done, this this was, I think, their first class. So the expectation, I, I think, was was every painting class you're going to finish a model, which is not the case. Don't expect to finish a model in a painting seminar Never. class. <laughs> Never. Never, ever, ever. Um, so what were your first impressions, Ward? Uh, yeah, no, his his initial um, speech about like what the weekend was going to be about was absolutely different from Banshee's, so that was very interesting. Um, I was, because of the feedback that you gave me after the Banshee class, I was going to try to <laughs> break any bad habits that I had. Uh, there were some individuals that still went back to their uh, styles because they're like, well, I know that this works for me, why aren't we doing this? And a lot of people, um, because we weren't doing any um, blending with the brush, it was just layering, Yeah, uh, a lot of us that do a lot of army painting have a lot of techniques kind of fundamentally built into how we paint that kind of inherently blends. Mm -hmm. Whether or not you're like going through and really like feathering little things here and there, like even how I apply paint half the time is directionally so that it kind of automatically creates a bit of a blend. Yeah, you kind of get the built-in pseudo blends or whatever. So... You know, like we're sitting, I'm sitting right across from Paul, um, so and he's struggling because every time he puts a layer on the model, it's already kind of blended, and um, Sergio's just like, stop fucking blending! And actually went through and like painted over where it was blended <laughs> with like harder contrast and, uh, and, and... And very blocky, very blocky, right? So, and, and that, I think, hurt Paul. Uh, I think the other thing was <laughs> just the order of... Of steps was a little bit different than I'm used to, mm-hmm. so wrapping my head around that initially. That is definitely a trend that I've noticed a lot lately, where a lot of the really advanced techniques and really cool things that various artists are pushing via their lessons, their Patreon pages, and everything else, compared to the basic army painting principles that we all learned 15 years ago, so many of these techniques are completely, like, literally backwards. Yeah, and it is it is blowing me away that so many of these things I would never in a million years try, because they do everything completely out of sequence. Pretty much the only thing that you're not doing backwards is putting on primer after. You yeah. still put primer on first <laughs> if you're going to put primer on at all, 
Yeah. But pretty much everything else is, it is like upside down and backwards and inside out, which is why it is so hard, I think, to break out of these habits. But yeah. Well, especially when like with this, I've spent the better part of the last three or four years breaking myself out of layering. And that's really what most of this class was. You know, like you're doing a lot of layering with your paint, and then you're, you know, like day two, you're using the airbrush and you're making it all look good. Yeah. And again, I'm not going to tell you exactly how because either A, you probably already know from just kind of guessing, or B, just give Sergio the money because he's earned it. Because it was really cool. Mm-hmm. It's surprisingly fast. It looks really good. And he does it on crystal brush winning figs and in I, very little time. I think the way that he was breaking down the class is also different from what he might do. Because um, we painted the body, uh, the flesh, yeah. one day. And then we did the face the second day. And I think he did that to separate our... Just give our brains uh, a break for like how we were applying or where we were applying those contrasting uh, highlights. Instead of trying to do everything all at once. Yeah, because yeah. the face is quite different. The, the face is very specific uh, of where you want to do that. You can get away with a little bit more uh, contrast on the body, but the face to get like an actual like tone, like he talks about like muscles and, and, and how they react and everything like that. I feel that that break was actually good. It hurt. It hurt my brain the first day by not painting the face. Yeah. I really, really wanted to, uh, but <laughs> having the disconnect after seeing it after the weekend, I was just like, okay, I know why he separated those days. Yeah, and it's almost uh, like he knew what he was talking about. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And you know, considering the fact that um, he's not a native English speaker, and um, you know, he even admitted that he still thinks in Spanish, interprets, and then says in English. So it is hard for him to do a class like this. Uh, I thought he was very clear to understand. Mm-hmm. The only time I had no idea what the fuck he was saying was when he kept talking about cappy glazes. And with his accent, I oh, had no... what? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like a term of his, it's cappy glazes, like C-A-P-I glazes, is like a name that he has applied to one of the things that he does. Because apparently in Spain, he's called Captain America because he's... You know, looks kind of like Captain America or okay. something. I don't really know. Because <laughs> in my head, I'm like, because I know a little bit of Spanish, so I'm like, shit, what, does that mean something in Spanish that no. I just don't know? No. Okay, no. it is no. nothing. Purely as individual nickname type thing. Not going to find it in a dictionary. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, so other than that, which it wasn't <laughs> until like, I think the last hour of day two. That, that you're I, just like, what is this? That I actually knew what he was saying. Yeah. Um, he, he was very clear. I couldn't really recommend one of his classes enough, to be honest with you, uh-huh. uh, because I think more so than many others, because he broke down everything very procedurally and he gave a lot of very very clear feedback, um, it was probably one of the more accessible classes that I've been to because people of all kinds of different painting levels were able to get something out of it. Yep. Uh, and you could tell... And the other thing that was really cool, too, is that especially towards the end of day two where um, we were all kind of left to our own devices to play around with certain things, he went immediately over to the tables where people were struggling more, and he sat with them for a very long time and gave them even more instruction. So he was he was very conscious of who needed more instruction and was very willing to do it. And at the end of day two, when you're speaking not in your own native language, for me, is a really good indicator of how good of a instructor he really aspires to be. Yeah, and he said that he's he's developing the course 
Um, it's it's very different from the first weekend that he was running this in Canada to our our week. Um, just the way that he explains stuff yep. with the English language. So um, it, it is learning for him as well, but he's he's planning on doing more courses and what have you. So um, he he was at Adepticon last year doing stuff. So we'll probably see him at a bunch of events upcoming. So if you have a chance, for sure. Uh, there's a good chance he'll be at LVO this year. I'm cool. excited. So but, uh, it, it depends on what he's teaching and what days and how long the classes are. Because I think if you go to a convention, you can take a longer course. I would recommend that com- compared to like a shorter two-hour course, like learning one thing. So, um, But other like little takeaways, like he was good for, for showing like little techniques that make sense in your head. And you're like... Why didn't I think about this more? So the example that I'm going to give is eyes, because eyes are pretty generic. I don't think this is like brain surgery. But if you're right-handed, paint the left eyeball first, because that's going to be your harder eyeball well, to paint. Well, the, the right eyeball, the eyeball on your left. Yes. So, so you're crossing over to paint the first one, because it's harder to do that. So that way, depending on where you put your pupil... You go back to your right eye, which is easier to paint. It's easier to, f- to so it's match easier up to, match, yeah. to the left side. And it's just like little things like that. I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Why have I never done that? The, I honestly don't know if I paint one before the other. I've never thought about it. Never <laughs> once. I've never once thought about it. The other one that was just kind of like, I felt like such a fucking dumbass for having never done this before was when he was uh, t- taking paint out of his airbrush, he would use like a little pipette and squeeze it out, then put water in, kind of mix it around, pull it out. So instead of like having to like turn it over and dump everything out or whatever else, and then just run some cleaner through, a bit of water, whatever, and it was way faster. Way, way less wasteful, yeah. yeah. Way, way faster, way less wasteful, and I was just like, fuck. So because I was boring an airbrush and I didn't bring my own that weekend, I ran to Michael's super fast, bought all the pipettes that they had, came back, <laughs> everybody got a pipette. Yeah. So... <laughs> So now, yeah, I'm going to be using that as well. So it's just little little techniques like that that I can use. And there was a couple other ones that I, I think were, were super beneficial as well. So, um, But I highly recommend his class. Absolutely. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And I, I do have to say, I do have an uh, Amazon um, shopping basket thing that's full of stuff like pipettes and empty paint jars and I've never got around to actually pulling the trigger on it, but I already had a bunch of that stuff in my shopping cart, yep. and I feel very vindicated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Um, also, acrylic jewelry display shelves for cabinets. Ooh. There's a lot of sets of those that are, like, under 20 bucks. Really? Yeah. Oh. I thought they would be more expensive, but I finally decided to look it up, and I was like, oh, these aren't expensive at all. I need to buy, like, all of them. <laughs> there you go. No, that's pretty cool. Um, honestly, I would love to talk more but if you have any, if you want to know more about about Sergio's style, go check out his Patreon. Yep. Seriously, like this is, these are the guys that are doing it um, as their nine to five um, because they love painting and they love sharing the hobby, and they still also need to be able to like put food on their table and like be able to have a life. So not everybody replaces sustenance with BattleTech like I do. Yeah, exactly. I, for the better part of a month, I've literally played BattleTech at lunch every day at work instead of eating food. <laughs> Like, maybe once or twice a week I eat food. <laughs> Play a lot of Battletech, though. <laughs> it's all about priorities, man. Priorities, right? So That is wild, yeah. man. Um, 
That's not going to work, Truman. Does this shit honestly surprise you, though? Just just get them, get them out of bottle opener. It's going to be noisy for a second, and I don't apologize because beer's involved. Beer, beer is involved, so. Yep. I have my bottle opener attached to all my keys, so of course that's going to be the So you're part. good. Yeah, exactly. I thought I had one handy down here, but I don't know where it is. As soon as Dan knows how to open up a beer. There we go. Yay! Uh, um... Yeah, no, uh, take take Sergio's class, um, and I mean, honestly, just get some takeaways, uh, improve your own skills. Um, you're not going to mimic their styles by any means, so take what you can and, uh, and utilize that. Yep, and don't expect to be able to do what they do perfectly after one day either. <laughs> you know, like, it takes practice, yeah. a lot of practice, like a lot of practice. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, Let's do a little bit of a, a a gear change here. Maybe just like a, a full 180. Stop talking about painting. Should we take a fuck you Steve and Mike intermission? Ooh, yeah. Ooh, On yeah. a so we're gonna, it'll be fuck you Steve and Mike sure. in that order. Yeah, sure. Three, two, one. Fuck, fuck you Steve, Steve and Mike. Mike. <laughs> there we go. Tradition upheld. Oh man, I like that style a little bit more. Like that nice break in the middle to just fully tell them the fuck right off. Um. Apparently it's it's although oh. also congrats I know we should say congratulations to Mike. It is his wedding anniversary. Yeah, so so like yeah. that is that is a great great thing for him. Guess that's the good um, excuse. Steve, I don't know what his excuse is. We could have tied in Sergio saying to the fuck you. I don't know what his saying is. So <laughs> so he's in class uh, the one day and he's like, okay, I'm gonna show you three more layers and then fuck you. <laughs> Because there's going to be, like, harder steps after that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Or, um, yeah. And then... How many how many crystal brushes do you have? I have three. Four. 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 Yeah, so... Yeah. yeah. Well, and that, that he was, was... He wasn't playing it, but it was, it was in good fun, so... It was definitely in good fun, and <laughs> there'd be times where he'd, like, look at your model, and he would, like, look at you... And look at the model, and look at you, and be like, "It's good." And put it back down, just to fuck. Or other times where he'd like, "Ah, uh, fuck!" I'm trying to like there because no one, no one in that class did every step 100 percent right. We all had parts where he's like, uh, "Just could you do this better?" Like at one point, um, I was starting to paint, and he was starting at our end of the t- or our end of the of the tables, and he's looked at my model, and he's like, "Are you done yet?" And I'm like, "No," and he's like, "Well." I'll come back when you're done, because I don't know if it's if what you're doing now is the right stuff or if the finished product will be the wrong one. So I'll come back later. <laughs> so I'm just like, fuck, what is right and what is wrong? <laughs> so I try to do it, and uh, ultimately the problem is I, I was following all the steps, but I wasn't putting the paint on thick enough. Because, oh, God. Painting, no contrast. Painting with paint... That has not been thinned down. Yeah, it's fucked up. Is like the most frustrating experience I maybe have ever had. Because Jared was always really good at it, but most people really struggled with it. So yeah, yeah. And like when I do, it's to blend. <laughs> like it's because I am putting it on and then blending it out, um, not just like glob, glob, glob. And it it broke my brain. I had no idea what the fuck was going on. But it worked out in the end. It worked out in the end. So, like, way better than I thought it could have. Um, yeah. So, who knows? 
Uh, all right, so shifting gears. We've already told Mike and uh, Steve to fuck off. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I've talked about these briefly on the podcast before, but I finally got a whole team worth of these uh, uh, ba- the skill um, markers from Maelstrom Gaming for my halflings actually on the team. What do you guys think? They're actually really cool. They're a good design. I like the modularity of it because modularity as a gamer is important, even when it's not. Yeah. <laughs> the, ni- the nice thing about these bases, like I've seen a couple other ones that have like skill sets that you can apply, which are basically just rings, uh, little ring sections that you put around the base itself. Those ones, um, you actually have to move that skill with the model when you move it. Yeah. This one is a, f- uh, is a full dynamic base where the skills will click in and it's basically an attachment that fits to the bottom of your base. So via, via, magnet. via magnet. So when you move the model itself, it takes the whole stem itself uh, and all the skills with it. And the thing is more vertical than spread out from the model's base, which I also appreciate. And so basically, just to explain it to you guys that can't actually see it, what it is is it is a, a disc that has dividers that break it out into... Um, six pie pieces. Looks like a snowflake. Looks kind of like a snowflake with six pie pieces that you can fit triangular um, skill tokens into, and then they magnetize under the base, and the base holds them in place. And on the edge, which will overhang outside of the 32 mil Blood Bowl base, you'll be able to read what the skill is. So you can have up to six additional skills on every player. Um, Normally, when they're sold, they come in MDF, and I think he charges around 50 bucks for those. Um, I was like, fuck it, I want acrylic. <laughs> so he ended up charging me about 80. Um, and that also included probably enough skills um, to do almost any possible combination. Like, looking at this bag, I'd be surprised if there's fewer than 100 in there. Yeah, that is a gigantic bag of tokens. And way more than you need. Yeah. Way more than you need. Um... Other things that came, the, he does a base insert because the magnet is in the very center of the base on the bottom. Um, and so the base insert fits in the 32 mil. And then you put the magnet in the middle of it, magnet in the middle of the, the skill base underneath. They connect together. And because of that insert, your base is going to be perfectly positioned every time. Yeah, th- it's very much like as seen on TV like just set it and forget it style, you know, slap choppy simple. It's that simple. I want him to have an ad where it's like, ever had problems lining up your skill sets on your bases? And like have someone where it's like the model's upside down magnetized to the base and one's like way off askew instead of like the mill or half mill that they would normally just be just off. Ham fisted gamer like accidentally table flipping while trying to adjust tokens. <laughs> yeah, like really bad stuff. Has this ever happened to you? Uh, but honestly, I had put one together um, just to try. A couple weeks ago, and I did the rest of the team in what ten minutes while you were finishing up some battle tech and you and eating food. Yep, like it was not very long. It's super straightforward. Um, one of the tips that he has said is that if you get uh, um, what the fuck, what kind of mark, a certain kind of marker, and I'll find out and let you know. Maybe put it in the show notes. <laughs> um, but you can fill in where it's written. On the uh, the actual skill marker oh, to get more contrast. So you stand because oh. right now I've just got the or jiffy markers. That's what it was. Because what you can do with a jiffy marker is just draw all over top and then take a paper towel and wipe it off, and it will just leave the recessed area filled in. 
and then so the actual MDF will remain clear on top. But let's say I wanted to have black instead of the kind of white from the laser cutter. Mm -hmm. um, just black jiffy, wipe it off a paper towel, and the black will stay in where the skill is written, giving you more contrast, like Sergio would like. Uh-huh. And making it a lot easier to read. Especially on the color that you got. So. Yeah, as is. They're still surprisingly easy to read. You get within probably, what, 12 inches of the model, and you can read it quite comfortably. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm kind of in love with them myself. <laughs> uh, I think if you are going to get the custom acrylic options, presumably there might be a color choice involved, which you could maybe do to like match your board or your team. Which is Any color cool. you want. I said I want Dayglow Green, and he made it happen. Fair enough. I wasn't sure if he had, like, the full access to all the acrylic he sheets. Does. Where some places only offer, like, three or four, and some offered so many, like, Green Man, that they went out of business. I don't know if it's so... <laughs> I, I don't know if it's, like, every single possible acrylic sheet, in a, like, imaginable. Because there's a lot. But he can also get them, right? Like, if you're willing to wait a bit, he can get one in. That's right. Um, one of the things that I've noticed about dealing with Jack is... He does a lot of work, so sometimes it might take an extra week or two, but he'll do whatever you need. You know, like I'm getting custom pitches for Hobby Night done for him through him right now. Mm -hmm. It's taking a little while, but goddamn, they look good. I've and, seen the renders; they look really freaking good. And those aren't even done yet. <laughs> like there's there's more work going to be going into them. Like he takes stuff very seriously. He does really good work. His pricing is like right on where it should be, and he also supports a lot of events locally. So. I'm a huge advocate of supporting the people that support local events, and he's one of them. So uh, these, honestly, my favorite way of marking skills that I think I've ever seen, especially because the skill markers just kind of sit in. Like, if you turn it upside down without the model on top, they'll fall out. So as far as reusability goes, it's it's up there. Like, you're never going to have to worry about having to glue anything in other than the, the things that go inside the bases. But you get enough in this set for two or three teams, excuse me, and you will also easily be able to just buy more of just what goes in the base. Or if you're like, I'm playing elves, I need all the dodge markers, you can get more dodge. I No, you'll probably, I'd be very surprised <laughs> if skills like dodge, block, guard, tackle, there wasn't um, 11 in this bag and of each. for everybody on the field. That's fair. You know, you only really need one or two pass, one or two kick, one or two leader, like or one leader. Like There's going to be skills that you don't really need more than one or two of, um, but then most of the other skills you're probably going to have somewhere between five and ten. You know what would actually be super cool, too, now that I think about it? If you got a set of acrylic ones in a different color for, like, bad skills. So if you had, like, um, like boneheaded and stuff like that, you can get one in, like, red, so you're like, oh, this is a reminder that I have to test to not be stupid. Yeah. That would be super cool, too. And honestly, if you got the just send him an email. If you got the MDF ones, you could easily just paint them. Use a different marker. Yeah. Yourself, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually really cool. So, it's a great product. And honestly, you know what? 80 bucks on something for a Blood Bowl team does sound like a lot. Um, that's only if you're going the acrylic route, which I personally think looks way better. I like the acrylic. I, if it was a little bit thinner in all aspects, I think I would like that a little bit more. I don't more. know if that's an option. Depending on like, yeah, what, what his um, thickness of the sheets that he gets in. Yeah, I don't think it is. The one of the downsides to acrylic is that where glue goes, it gets kind of frosty. Mm -hmm. But the upside, unless you buy the like twenty five dollars a bottle glue, 
Or just embrace the fact that you glue everything in the middle and it's always covered by the base on top and then everything you're seeing is not going to be frosted. Yeah. Like, you look at it on its own and yeah, you can see where it's kind of frosted or marked up, but once the base is on there, you don't notice shit. Yeah. And like I said, if if you are concerned about it, you can get non-frosting super glue from like a model train store or like somewhere that sells like aircraft cockpits and other shit like that that you have to worry about that sort of a thing. You, you can buy that as a product. It's just a lot more expensive than traditional CA superglue. Yep. Um, and you're right. Like, if you're getting the MDF, you can paint them however you want um, and really customize them that way. I, mean, I guess you could paint the acrylic, too, and just waste your money. Yeah. Um, things I'm going to think about down the road as I get more Blood Bowl teams and the possibility of just, like, having people over and using my, my Blood Bowl teams for the full game, I might try, like different colors so the skills are a different color from the base or vice versa um and really all that would take is ordering a second set in a different color and then i could just like swap the skills over between the two yep um but i do think in terms of not taking away from the presentation of your models having just the one color keeps it not so busy that you're going to have all of your attention looking at this rim around the base mm-hmm. but for me i give it five bucks because for what it is, for what you're paying for it, the fact that there's options, I can't think of a better thing on the market. I'd maybe give it four because if you want, you can drop the, you know, dollar on a bunch of small colored elastics and tell your opponents what the what the colors mean. But I find that way more confusing than being able to look at the model and read it. Like this Absolutely. takes all of the room for error out of the equation. You can look at the model and be like, oh, that is the one with guard because it fucking says guard. Or if you're playing with like (laughs) the 10% of people playing games that are colorblind, then it's not a problem. Right? Oh, hey, everything's color-coded for your convenience. Oh, you can't see color. I think another another plus for this would also be if he was able to make like the little insert. I'm sure he can just with numbers. So that way you put what number every... Um, model is oh instead of like no I'm pretty sure those are in here instead, instead of, of like painting on the shoulder pads instead of painting excuse the, the excuse the noise for a second <laughs> Tom is gonna do research uh, yeah so instead yeah, of like painting numbers he's already got them oh fuck there you go <laughs> excellent oh that's my number two fantastic yeah that and is, that random uh, number out of the bag was your number that was my number yeah holy so. shit this guy knows what he's doing <laughs> <laughs> No, but it's it's no, got that. It's got the that's skill. Perfect. Okay. It's got stat ups. Um, I'm gonna see if it has stat downs in I, here. I was gonna give it a four, but now it's gone up to four point five. Yeah, so it's got <laughs> stat ups and stat downs in here. So if you're using it in the league, so let's say that halfling's also got minus one armor. You just put it on, and then you know, or plus one strength. That uh, that those modifiers are gonna be part of him. Okay, cool. That's yeah, that's pretty sweet. Damn it! Now I'm gonna message him. Like, it's got everything you need, man. Like, it's it's one of those things where I have a really hard time thinking of a downside to this. We need to make an infomercial. This would be pretty cool. Yeah, It would be pretty legit. Uh, like I said, like, my only issue would be, like, how tall it is just then. And that's why I'm going to... I'm going to give it four and a half. 4.5. Sure. I'll give it four because it's not Battletech. <laughs> but it does have hexagons, which is why it's not three. <laughs> um there we go yeah okay uh fair i guess no it, in all seriousness no they they do seem really cool not gonna lie i actually really like acrylic tokens 
as everyone who played X-Wing with me back in the day knows, I had a fuckload of acrylic tokens. Yes. Um, yeah, the, these are really cool. I think these are a good product. They're very well designed. They look good. They're not that expensive, grand scheme of things. Very, I think these are a very solid investment if you're like a regular Blood Bowl player. Uh-huh. Yeah, either for league or tournament play, because apparently everything you could possibly need is all in here. And the first number you pull out of the pile is Ward's number nine. So that's perfect. Guaranteed to work every single time. (laughs) 100%. All right. Um, So we've talked about painting. We've talked about classes. We've talked about these sweet uh, skill markers. I got to talk about Battletech. You got to talk about Battletech. Aaron Truman gets to say hi. Hello. All right. There we go. (laughs) We told Uh, uh, Steve and Mike to fuck off. Yeah. I think that is uh, an episode of Hobbit in Canada. Um, Between now and our next podcast, Ward will have played in a tournament. I know, right? That's crazy. I will. Yes. What's the last tournament that you played in? Uh, I didn't play at LVO this year. Holy smokes. Was it LVO like last year? Ooh. What's the last tournament in the province you played in? That one has been a while. Ah, oh, shit. I'd have to think about that one. And it's going to take me longer than... Wow. <laughs> did, did you ever actually play in an X-Wing tournament? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He played in lots. Yeah, lots of those. Like, outside of organized play days, but like actual tournament tournaments? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Mich- um, the guys at Mission would, would run those, so I've played okay. a couple of those. So Probably the Draw Fleet tournament at Mission. Well, that wasn't that long ago. That's my guess. That's what I was... You did play in that. Okay. Yeah. So, so you played in the Drop Fleet tournament, and as far as the previous tournament that you played locally with models that you painted, I think it was Dystopian Wars before this podcast started. Fuck no, local. Uh, it, it's been tough locally. I'm gonna hopefully strive to make a more of an appearance at uh, some events. So, but shift work is it can be hit and miss, right? So yeah. And all my vacation time this year is earmarked for Peru. So fair enough. Yeah. All right, so thanks for listening to this episode of Hobbit Name Canada. Until next time, uh, play some games, have some fun, and paint your fucking models. I'm Tom. I'm Ward. And I'm Dan. Goodbye.